0: Welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by MAP. My name is Alex Clements. And if you do need any new cycling kit, make sure you head to MAP.cc to pick up um, their premium cycling apparel. It's uh, it's off chops. Just, just go check it out. And if you haven't tried it, make sure you do try it. It's good. It's top quality. The design's out of control. Um, and, well, it's all I write in. So I love it. Today on the show we're talking to Nick Schultz. He's um the professional rider for Bike Exchange. He's just come back from the UAE Tour. He did a he did a winter in winter in Europe this year. He didn't come back to Australia. He's from Queensland originally. Uh, he had a really good UAE Tour. He picked up sixth place on stage five, uh, behind like Pogatar and Yates and Co. So he's in he's in he's in good form, and he's kind of heading into that phase of his career where he's really starting to step up, build confidence. Uh, and he's ready to take on the Spring Classics this year. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please leave a review. The f- full uh, video too will be on the YouTube channel, Stanley Street Social, if you want to check that out. And uh, if you do enjoy this podcast, any reviews on the YouTube or on uh, the iTunes store are greatly appreciated. We'll see you back at the Social Club next time. Sweet. You're on the record, Schulzi. Welcome back to the podcast, third time running. You've, uh, you've still got your spot uh, pretty safely secured in the top five podcast downloads of all time uh, with our original story episode where we touched on uh, your wild journey to the world tour. Uh, and then we've also had you back for, I think, a world's unpack last year. Yeah. And then now we're back to chat about the UAE tour. First of all, how was your, your winter? You, you did a full winter in Europe first time?
1: Yeah, I guess you could say first time for a full winter. Um, My girlfriend's from the Isle of Man, so I've spent a fair bit of time in Europe through the winter before, but always going back to Oz at least for a small stint. But the year before, I I spent Christmas over here and then then went back to Oz just before the Nationals. Um, So it wasn't too different, but I guess having sort of knowing that I wasn't going to go back to Oz at all, um, you yeah, know it was a bit of a bit of a cloud over the head but in the end it was um, it was great it was an awesome winter um, we had a really good time over here there was a good crew um, and yeah actually it's uh, yeah one of the more probably one of the um, the most relaxed sort of offies I've ever had um, just without all the travel um, you know you go back to Oz and when you're back in Oz, it's kind of like you're squeezing things in to see people left and right. And you don't really actually switch off and let your hair down and relax that much. Cause it's just constantly full gas. Um, so yeah, that was, that was really nice and, and really relaxing. And despite a lot of the restrictions and stuff that we have over here, um, with, uh, social gatherings and restaurants being closed and stuff, uh, we made our own fun and it was, uh, it was really
0: good yeah cuz uh normally you'd come back you've got road nationals early jan you kind of kind of always have to be somewhat on the radar do you did you have longer off and did you feel that coming into obviously first race last week was it did it feel good it's late in the year we're back end of february uh it's pretty different to racing full noise in the first week of jan
1: yeah, it's definitely different. Um, I don't before when I was on Kaharal, I just would skip the nationals altogether um, and start a bit later over in Europe. Um, I had I had the same time off as I normally would. I had four weeks of um, being a couch potato. Um, I don't get into any cross training or any <laughs> stuff like that. I just like to really do nothing. Um, do you party so, much? Well, I mean, within within our apartment, yeah, you know, with a few guys, and um, that's really all we could do. We couldn't we couldn't go out. We couldn't we couldn't even eat dinner in a restaurant. Um, so yeah, it was kind of yeah, just making our own fun, mm. um, which was actually really good. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess the harder thing about doing it over here and not having anything to sort of kick you into gear in Oz was that. Um, by the time our training camp came around in, uh, I think it was, must've been start of January or mid January. I can't quite remember. It was like, okay, I need this training camp now to, to leave Girona and, and to turn on for the season. Um, because there was nothing to break any sort of bad habits or, um, yeah, it was just like, it was good to get away, start going to bed a bit earlier and, uh, and get into the routine of being a, being a professional cyclist um, because also with the Vuelta finishing so late, I hadn't been riding very much before the training camp anyway. I mean, I, I got back on the bike around mid-December um, or wait, when did the Vuelta finish? 10th of November or something. So I must have got back on 10th of December. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very different feel. Yeah. But I really liked it. I really liked it. Um, I really liked building up over here and and going to a european training camp and just uh logging the case which we did um did some big K's on training camp we were doing um between six and a half and eight hours every day for 10 days on a training camp it's like um really big big block a massive There's nothing days like that, but, hmm, yeah i'd never done anything like it before it was it was absolutely nuts we'd uh We'd leave for training at 9.30 and we'd get back just before it got dark at like 5.30, 6.00 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, just sl- slogging it out like low, low intensity um, with a bunch of guys and, yeah, just huge volume. I've, I've never done anything like it, but it was it was really good.
0: It's I thought the days of, yeah, dirty, long hours in the saddle were done. This The sports science era was here, but it obviously still has a
1: place. Yeah, I think it's definitely still has a place. Um, I, I mean, I every now and then I'll throw in a big seven hour ride into training, um, but it's it's very, it's very rare. Um, I think to do it back to back for a whole training camp is, is we're probably one of the only teams that did something like that. Um, but uh, I can't knock it because I, uh, I came out of the camp feeling good and I'll, a hell of a lot better than I went into it. And I think I needed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and maybe that, that also helped going into it really underdone, you know, sort of not in good shape and being able to struggle through the first few days and actually build rather than come out of it in a hole.
0: Yeah, and uh, get that kind of condition that you naturally get out of the Australian summer and ha- and exactly. knowing that that thing's around the corner, that there's that racing block. Uh, so talking post the training camp, obviously you did come out of it well because. UAE uh, tools was a it was a nice little opener for Nicholas Schultz. Um, mm,
1: yeah, it was
0: that uh that first day. Let's start with that, the wild day. There, there was the coolest piece, well, cool footage for everyone on Twitter of uh, the crosswinds, echelons everywhere. It was wild. Uh, mm,
1: yeah. Still having flashbacks.
0: Talk to me. Talk to me about that day.
1: Well. I mean, before I came, well, before I went to the UAE tour, um, I'd spoken to a few guys. I mean, I was a bit of a last minute addition to the team and uh, I'd spoken to a few guys and they're like, yeah, you know, UAE tour, it's the easiest race in the world. You go there, you lose form. Um, <laughs> so you sit on the back all day, it's cruisy as, and then there's like, it's hard for the last 10K and there's two hilltop finishes, which are really hard. Um, and you know sometimes there's wind, but it splits for ten minutes and then it all comes back together every time, and just super negative. And I was like, ah, oh, sweet. Um, and we're driving out to the first stage, and it was blowing a huli, like there was sand flying across the road. It's like, I'm like, jeez, pretty surprising that this always comes back together. Um, and like the start was, we had a 500 meter section of neutral. And kilometre zero is cross tower winds. And that's the most dangerous wind um, for, for echelons and splitting and just the, the speed you go just makes it so hard. Kilometre zero, I reckon the bunch was in like four or five groups. Um, and I was sitting pretty good there. Out of the neutral? Out of the neutral. Oh, kilometer zero, 175K stage. I think there's, I saw one photo on Twitter. There's like literally the little ticker at the top says like 175K to go and there's just like people <laughs> everywhere. Um, but I was good there. I was sitting good. I was ready for that. Um, I was up uh, eventually in the front sort of echelon, group of 30 or 40. And I thought, oh, beauty, you know, let's go. This would be great if it stays like this the, the whole day. And then it did shut down. And it all came back together. Like, and it was, then it was really switched off. I'm like, ah, oh, I see what everyone was saying, you know, like it splits and then people calm down. And and we were, we were, I don't know, at this point must've been like 80K to go. And it was, the bunch was in a huge bubble. Like there no stress. There was heaps of wind still, but it was like, okay, the sprinters teams are going to, everyone's on the same page. They want a sprint Royale day one. There's like there's a, another funny little video snippet on Twitter. It's like a 30-second thing and there's like you've got some of the hitters just sitting at the back having a chat and then the camera pans to the front and De is putting it in the gutter. And in, in that situation, it doesn't matter how good you are, how strong you are, if you are not in the front, you will not be in the front echelon. You know, like you've got Filippo Ganna in the peloton, guy who wins every time trolley starts and flogs everyone, he can't ride across the gap. Um, And it's like a, a knife edge. So if the road's big, that echelon can be whatever it was on the first day, I think like 26, 27 guys. If the road's small, that would have been 10 guys. So it's like as many people as can fit across the road, the knife goes in and makes a split. And from that point on, it was carnage the whole day (laughs) it was hell it was it's like the the type of day you just don't want to you don't want to have to experience Mm. and we had no one in the front so it was you know we were all sort of chatting away having a good old time thinking the uae tour was super relaxed and and it split and we had no one there and at that point you can't really do anything other than fend for yourself and try and try and survive
0: and then you rode for the next for the rest of the day
1: was that it it was we I mean everyone this this front echelon probably stayed between a minute and two minutes ahead almost the whole stage. Like the whole time Lotto Sudal was, you know, going up to the front to try and pull it back for Caleb. And then Kubeka would have a crack for Mizzolo, and it was like it was just on. And there'd be times where you come around a corner, you find yourself at the back, you're in the wrong position, you're at you're at the arse again for 10 minutes, it comes back. Then you're in the front split of this next group and and then eventually at 15K to go, they, the sprinters team's just like, oh, well, we're not going to catch this front group. Completely stopped. Completely. So, I mean, at this point, the gap must have been like two, two and a half minutes or something. And we crossed the line and I was later looking at the results. I'm like, eight minutes? Jesus. Like, that's a big gap. So, like, we really stopped in the last 15K you know, I was like, just rolled in. So um, any type of any GC rider that missed out on that split on day one, well, they were screwed.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. And you guys had no one in the move. No
1: one. Do no you, one. and we weren't the only team. There were a lot of teams with no one.
0: Yeah. Obviously, this is a very hard split to make, and the Dakarnik just just do what they do. They just they're just yeah. the best. Do you guys get ripped? when you don't make the split
1: um yes and no because this was a pretty weird split this one we'd been on the same road for like 20k like normally it's like there's a point you turn on that point and you know you have to be at the front at that point and it will split immediately this was like we turned onto a road we were on the road it was calm for 20k and it was like a spontaneous move um And we actually all think that they were sprinting for an intermediate sprint. There was an intermediate sprint coming up. And if you watch the footage, you've got Ilio Kaiser, He does a big pull and he just pulls off, just does a burner. So he doesn't make the front split. He's like doing a lead out, you know? Mm. And then you've got Shane Archibald. He goes through, pulls off, goes to drop back. And then he sort of looks back and sees there's this massive split and then quickly kicks on to the front group. So it's like, because I think then they're GC rider, Almeida was up there. It's like, all right, let's let's go. Let's continue on. Let's go because the guy that they had for the stage win, Bennett, he wasn't in the front split. Yeah. So you'd think if it was if it was a planned full team move, you'd have you'd have your man for the stage there with you. Um, so yes and no, we get ripped, but um, it wasn't a big, um, you know. You know there's not much you can do in that scenario. If you, if you weren't in the top 25 guys, you weren't going to be in the, in the, uh, in the front echelon and it just wasn't a stressed out point in the race. So um, I think there was enough disappointment amongst ourselves for missing the split that we didn't really need to kick up the ass Mm. either.
0: So after that uh, somewhat disappointing day out in the desert, uh, Mm. what was next? What was the message from the, the team boss from there?
1: The the message was obviously it made it pretty simple to approach it day by day, um, and I sort of had a bit of an opportunity with the young Italian guy Kevin to ride the race um, to go for you know to experience trying to go for put seven days together and um, see how it ended up, and that that sort of regardless of the fact that any sort of good result on GC was out the the question. Um, we still got the go-ahead to sort of approach it like we were going to ride GC um, just for the experience. So nothing much really changed for us. We were sprinting for Caden and and then uh, Kevin and I were going to get opportunities on the on the Hillier days. Um, but what it did change was the the sort of the general vibe in the bunch. So after that set first stage, this whole idea of a relaxed UAE tour, just went out the window and every single corner for the next five days was a bunch sprint towards that corner, just in case. Stress was, everywhere. Yeah, it was It was one of the most highly strung bunches I've been in in a while, for sure. Yeah,
0: and also like a, a weird scenario because you're used to these um, narrow, Belgian, European roads and here you are racing on eight lane wide hot mix does that change that change the dynamic
1: yeah it does it sucks like you think it looks good but the problem with when it's crosswinds or you're coming into a climb it's like a washing machine there's so much space so you get in a good position you're like oh i'm here i'm in the right position and then there's so much room on the road another train comes up on the other side and then all of a sudden you just get squeezed and you you're back at the back again it's like man I've got to keep doing sprints to get to the front. And it's like, it's honestly, there's a bit of luck in, in the positioning um, on these massive roads. Whereas on the small European roads, it really requires like anticipation and a bit of race now. It's like, you know, you once you get in position, it's much easier to hold position. But in uh, in these massive highways, it's just like, you could be in position two hundred meters before the critical point turn, and then a hundred people come around you, and you're boxed in, and you're done.
0: Yeah. The, sorry. Um. On to stage three, which is gone mm. to the first, the first hilltop. One hundred sixty-six clicks, and one hundred fifty-five. It was flat off the yep. bat, Nothing happening. How mm. was the run into that final climb?
1: Yeah, full on again because pretty much nothing happened throughout the stage there was one little small sort of crosswind section but because of the previous days it was just like we did warp speed because every team was ready but nothing yeah. split um the running was was hectic and um a lot of the guys on the team had done UAE Tour before they knew what it was what it was like um so I was pretty lucky in that regard um like I mean at one point I found myself in, in really good position with uh, guys like Bauer and Heppy. Um, But it was just too hard. It was too hard up near the front to hold position um, in terms of like physically, like it was, if I was going to try and do a good climb, I don't want to go into the bottom of the climb in the red. Um, and we were just going so fast that it was like a, a max effort to try and hold position. So at one point, once I'd been squeezed for the thousandth time to the back of the bunch, I just said, um, I'm just going to stay back here. I'm just going to stay right at the back. Um, and I'm not particularly someone who really likes boxing on that much. So it's also stressful. So it's mentally stressful and mentally draining. Um, and with the climb being such a wide road, there's a lot less stress to get into it in good position. Um, you obviously just run the risk that, If there's a crash or something at the bottom, you're going to get held up. Um, But, yeah, so the guys uh, came back and we just chilled, just sort of relaxed at the back while while watching this washing machine happening, just guys boxing on and fighting to try and be at the front. And I just sat pretty for, like, the 10K, last 10K running into the climb. And there was a little lull as the climb started and Luca Mezgek just sort of did a few little accelerations and we were in the top 20 for for when people started getting dropped and it was was perfect but just get you running
0: do you um do you, do you end up getting back to the rear of the bunch and then all of a sudden it's easy like you just get sucked along
1: yeah yeah oh like the difference is incredible i mean to ride in the top 10 in a run in like that it's it's like doing a time trial you know it's really you're on the pedals
0: and even on the wheel
1: yeah. 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 Like I'm not the guy pushing the wind. You are just in, you are just exposed to a bit of the wind coming from the side. But then when you go to the back, the, the bunch is like fanned out. There's what 140 guys, but it the, the from the front to the back is like 20 meters because it's just everyone's across the road. So you've just got this like wall and you just cruise. Like it's, it's honestly easy. I mean, you're doing 55 K an hour, but it's, you just protected from any type of wind. It's so easy. Um, And you just got to, I guess, not panic. I think it would be really hard for some guys to sit back there knowing there's a climb coming because you've got a wall in front of you, like I said, but that's a wall that could also come to a halt and and prevent you from being in good position at the right time.
0: Mm. Especially when that's like what they're drilled to do all year. Mm. Just like right at the front, right at the front, right at the front. Here's your training for the back. It's all over.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Had, um, exactly. So how that? How did you feel going up that climb?
1: Yeah, I mean it was a really hot day, um, so I think one of the biggest the biggest things for the for the stage was to stay cool. So I was just dumping water on myself all day, um, trying to stay hydrated. And then uh, when the climb started, I just um, I, I kind of didn't know what approach to take. Whether I should go go until I blow and see how far I get, or go to a point where I sort of think I can then slow down a little bit and, and settle in. Um, and that's kind of what I did. Um, and I felt pretty good. I was, you know, at one point, um, on both climbs, actually, it was sort of similar. I don't sit right near the front when there's a bit of a bunch. Cause it's, I don't feel like I belong in a group like that on climbs like that. So I sort of sit where I think I'm not going to, hinder anybody else you know i'm not going to lose the wheel and then take a bunch of dudes out of the back um but there was one point on the climb when Ineos up the pace the few guys in front of me started losing the wheel and i was like what are they doing and then sort of that's when i thought oh, i've got i've got reasonable legs today um and then then i just settled in and and tried to keep a steady pace at to the top it's pretty straightforward um I'm not going to be able to go with Yatesy and Pogachar when they're throwing, throwing grenades and a bunch.
0: When uh, when the Pog went, like, do you you're just use on the rivet? Like, you're just full noise and then you're like, this guy just goes whack?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, max effort and you sort of can't fathom going any faster and then you just see these guys step out and, and go for it. Yeah. It's like, whoa. Yeah, big
0: difference. It must be wild. It must be wild. Yeah. So that was that was a nice little confidence booster for you though. I feel mm, like um, I'm in, I'm in the mixer here. Then um, then on the stage five, the other hilly, hilly stage of the tour. Um, how was that? Another hot day. That's something else we hadn't talked about. You coming off a European winter. You're not coming off a Australian summer. Yeah. So it's pretty. Yeah, I was a weekend.
1: bit worried about that before the race actually, um, because just no exposure to heat really. Um, but um, the beauty of having guys help you is that, you know, I had, like, it was brilliant. I Someone was coming up to me with a, a water bottle every, every five or 10 minutes and I was just dumping it over myself, like just freezing cold water. I never really felt hot, which I think is a big reason why I rode well there. Um, you know, just thinking about those smaller details. Um, but uh, yeah, the second hilltop, was completely different to the first it was like 20k just a consistent five six percent um I actually hate climbs like that it's terrible just a horrible feeling um sitting in the wheels just with constant tension and the thing is because it's not so steep is that there's a pretty big draft so at like 5k to go or 6k to go there's like 50 guys left and you're like man i must be feeling crap like two days ago, there's, you know, 15 guys left a K into the climb and we're 15K into this climb, there's 50. And you sort of start doubting yourself a bit like, man, this is, you know, I'm feeling crap here, but there's still 50 guys left, you know, what's going on? Um, But uh, uh, more or less the exact same thing happened as on on the first climb where when the pace really got up and guys started getting shelled, I was able to go around them and then sort of, Find a, a spot um, in the group a bit, you know, a bit further up in the front, um, which again was just surprising at the time. I sort of, I'm not used to that, and yeah, it's a, it's a nice feeling, gives you confidence while you while you're climbing.
0: Mm. is it uh, weird too, climbing on like such wide roads, such well paved roads? It's like that quick. It's very different to a small Italian.
1: Yeah, like I, I don't know what our average speed up this climb was, but I reckon it would be close to thirty k an hour. Like, it must be between twenty five and thirty. So it's it's a really different feeling, and um, when it's so consistent as well, it's just there's no let up. Even though it's not steep, it's such a weird feeling and a hard. Yeah, just oh, I don't really like climbs like that to be honest.
0: But but but, but you're in a ripper position, like coming into this. Coming into the finale, there was not many guys left and Schultz is amongst, you're talking about uh, the Yates and Pog and, and uh, just going wild, but you're in the mix of that at the end.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, also a big surprise for me um, and and sort of like I was touching on this, the same thing happened when I think at about 2K to go, Almeida attacked with sort of Yates and Pogacar on the wheel and I was sort of, at the back of the group and the the majority of the group didn't follow the move. And I was like, Oh, I can follow. And I just rode past these guys and rode across to this, um, this attack from Almeida. And, and at that point I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm not feeling crap. Like I thought I was up, up this climb. Everyone else is also hurting. Um, and that gave me a lot of confidence just coming into that, That final, because I guess the beauty of of not being um, well known at all, and also not being a sort of pure climber, is I've got a bit of a bit of a kick, and I was starting to to sort of back myself a little bit for for being able to do something, or for being able to be a player in that final uh, that final couple of k, Um, and then Vingegaard went to go across to. Lutsenko mm. uh, and I sort of hesitated a little bit and then just went after him trying to sort of anticipate the move that was sure to come from the big hitters which I would not be able to follow mm. in the final 500 metres um, and it paid off like I wasn't able to get to being a guard but uh, I only got passed in the last 150 metres by the by the big hitters and sort of was able to hold on for a top 10 which you know I think if I waited for the for the gallop at 500 meters to go, I would have gone straight out of the ass. That's
0: a big result. Have you heard of Guard before that yeah. stage? Like big, big climber.
1: A couple of years ago, um, I think he was a Neo Pro, first year pro in Tour of Poland in 2019. There was this crazy hard stage. And it was like, it reminded me of racing in France. It was like from kilometer zero to the end, it was bing, bang, boom, like, Just carnage. There was no control. It was a massive race of attrition and sort of like last man standing thing. And he won. He won that stage. First year pro world tour race with like the best riders in the world off the Tour de France and going into the Vuelta.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think Jai Hindley was maybe second or third that day as well. Um, It's a crazy hard stage. And yeah, Vingegaard won that. So I knew very very well who he was.
0: Yeah. He's uh, a really good boy. And he continues this, this trend of young, young riders, just, just winning races. Like it's so young.
1: Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Crazy.
0: See, so we, we, see, so come, come from that race, like a, a, re, a, really good result. That's a solid as result. Does that, does that change a year or does that, does that change your year in terms of a race perspective? Or does it just give you a bucket of confidence heading into the, the next block of the season?
1: Um, I'm not really sure uh, if it will change anything race program wise. I mean, I don't have anything um, fully confirmed in terms of which Grand Tour I'm going to do. Um, I personally am really sort of, um, you know, hoping to, to integrate into, into one of the different Grand Tour squads on the team, mm-hmm. having done the World Tour four times now just a different stimulus a bit of change um, but you know those those things are based off form and, and performances so um, you know the way I see it if I if I ride well then you know I might get might get put on a different grand tour um, so it could help in in that regard but I think for the for everything else nothing much changes I've got a great um, program through the spring um, you know maybe it might just change uh, you know where I fit into the team's goals within each race. Um, you know, maybe I'll be a guy that's there a little bit later for the for the leaders, or or maybe in some of the smaller races through the spring, I'll I'll get um, some opportunity myself. But um, yeah, you know, I think with modern day cycling, everyone in the team, in in every team, sort of has the ability to to run a drum. I think it's. I think teams are structured a lot differently than than they were 15 years ago, and um, it's good to have options. And I think teams like having options and and sort of keeping keeping a few guys back. So it's it's hard to know until I go into these next races if anything changes.
0: Yeah, what's your what's your spring currently looking like?
1: Uh, so I go I uh, head off to Strata Bianca this weekend. Um, I do another time one day race the day after that. And then I've got Koppe Bartoli, uh, Basque country, and then into the Ardennes. Um, so that's that's that period there from copy Bartoli to to Liège. Uh, you know, that's a really important block for me, and and that's sort of, um, you know, that's where I really want to be hitting my best form for those races. Um,
0: that's a nice and, that's uh, a nice little block. That's a nice little block to kind of set yourself up for for like you said, one of those. Um, other grand tours, and the the yeah. form's good. The form's there, mm. so look okay. out.
1: And and that's the thing. It's 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 good for confidence because you know when I when I look at my preparation before UAE, um, you know I, I I feel that there's a lot more to be tapped into. You know a lot more to to improve on. Um, having started training so late and and not really doing a load of of really specific, hard, high intensity training. So, um, you know, I'll hope, hopefully keep building and, um, and hit some, some higher form for, for that, that block through the Ardennes there.
0: It's your, um, fourth year with the squad, Mitchelton plus a couple of years, Karthasarab beforehand. Like, is it, do you feel that kind of compounding effect that you've got world tour seasons un- under your belt now? Is it, does it pay off every year? Come out of that winter block and go. Oh, hang on, I'm a notch up. I've got a, I've got another another element to
1: me. Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, and and I think also, like, I've sort of always slowly progressed each year. And I think a big thing um, that really helped my progress coming into this year was the Vuelta last year. I played more of a key role in helping. Um, you know, Esteban in the beginning and then Nieve towards the end. And just the exposure of going really deep into every stage mm. um, rather than sort of doing, you know, one day where you where you sort of go all the way to the line and then the next year you put the handbrake on and, and take it easy in the group pedo to get through the race. Um, it was literally like every day was I was going, you know, deep. Um, and I think that sort of helped take me, take me to a next level when I got on the bike and started training again. And I did notice it probably more so than ever this year that, you know, just settling into the sort of pre season tempo efforts, you know, there's a new baseline all of a sudden. Um, and and that's, uh, that's also good for the confidence coming into a season when you feel like all of a sudden something feels easy and there's a new, a new level there.
0: Yeah, is it daunting knowing that? All right, like I, can't, I need to step up here. Like I need to, I need to continue to push that barrier because obviously it's a super hard step just to get to the world tour. But then yeah. to start winning in the world tour and start putting your hat in the ring, and like you said, that example you had going up that climb, you're like, ah, oh, I was start, I was where I thought I didn't have the confidence to be, and then all of a sudden these guys are start getting hooped. Like you're in that mixer now um Mm, yeah but
1: it's It's a massive step big big step like i said i would never really been in that position in that company you know i've been in position to win races before and to fight for for results but not with not on on hilltop finishes with um the guy who won the tour de france yeah um so that that was a yeah it felt really weird and and not normal um and that does help the confidence for sure. Um, but it's also something that sort of will will take, you know, if, if it continues, it it's not natural um, for me to feel that, you know, some guys like we're seeing now, they, they're they winning in under 23. They go to the world tour and they're winning straight away. They never sort of have that period where they just work horses and, and they, you, you start to lose the feeling, I think, of, of racing for results and, and I think that's what I was definitely feeling in UAE is that you, you kind of forget what, what to do. Um, you know, it's the, the best tacticians in the world are the guys that are always racing for the win because, you know, they'll do something and they'll learn from it. But if you're never racing for the win, you're not putting things into practice that you think might work or might not work. You just, all you're seeing is what other people do. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a little bit daunting, um, but it's also super motivating. And I I like to be to be progressing every year. You know, I I don't want to become stagnant. So um, if I can just find a little something every year, then maybe by the end of my career, I can uh, win something big.
0: Yeah, I think it's super important. You you got to be you got to be chasing, You got to be around the win. I think mm. like as soon as yeah. as soon as you settle into that, I'm just working for other people. I'm just doing that. Like you don't have touch on that victory. Like you're not a pro cyclist because you're not a competitive person. Like you are, a, mm. you, you need, you need that adrenaline rush. Where does it go for these, like these kids that are winning world tour races though at 19, 20, like pig last or the other night at Kern Brussels, Kern just running third. Like mm. what, what, what happens to their career? Obviously you, you, we don't know yet, but yeah, it's don't such know. a
1: strange dynamic. It is really strange and I don't know, like it's, it's crazy. And, you know, we saw with Remco. I was probably one of the the first guys to say, Oh, it's like once in a blue moon, this type of thing, you know, like this is abnormal that teams aren't going to be signing 20 year olds all the time. And, and now it's just like every second signing you see is some, some teenager or, mm. or, or a 20 year old. Um. My opinion on it is that cycling careers will become shorter. Um, I don't know how you can win the Tour de France at 21 and then have a 10-year illustrious career handling that pressure week in, week out um, at every single race. But maybe this new generation also have mental capabilities that myself and peers my age don't have as well i'm not sure brackets Um,
0: everyone else in the past
1: yeah yeah because i mean you see it don't you like there's only a certain amount of glow time that guys seem to be able to stay at the top bar Sagan, maybe you know he's he's done it from since he was young till the end of his the end of his career but um i think it's just be a lot of pressure i mean there's always going to be something like Pogacar's situation this week in UAE. I mean, he won the Tour de France. You'd, you'd think something like UAE, you know, he's not going to be too stressed. It's February, but it's in the press. Pogachar has to win UAE. Home race, home sponsors. He can only every lose. Race it's, yeah. So um, I hope that they have long careers and, and that they light it up for 10 years because, man, it's changing racing for the better. The way the... The young generation race is awesome. I love, I love that style of racing. They just get into it. Um, you know, everyone talks about power meters and race radios and all this crap. Um, you know, the young generation doesn't doesn't race like that. You see it. The races are splitting up. Look at Vanderpool the other day in Kerner. Yeah, eighty five k to go. k to go. <laughs> I mean, there's two times in in my memory care. that. I remember was like Cancellar in Roubaix one year and Boone and Flanders or something. It's like t- happened twice. Mm. And now it's every race. These guys are just dropping the bombs early and it's awesome. You know, I was sitting watching Kern on the couch, just like, this is sick. And it's, I think it's bringing a great dynamic to the sport. Um, so I hope that it continues um, as, as hard as it makes it. And as, as much as it sucks getting your head kicked in by teenagers, it's, it's awesome to watch and it's awesome to be a part of too. Do
0: you think it'll, um, so when you're obviously heading into this spring season, is it, is it going to change the race plan all of a sudden? The kind of traditional races that had like the one sector where you went or the one sector where the races won, it's all of a sudden, well, actually, that Cat 3 at 100K to go, you need to watch out because Vanderpoel's going to be going wild on it potentially.
1: Hmm, I think so. I, I think it will change it um, because we're just seeing it more and more. Um, and I think I think it'll happen on Saturday at Stradbroke. You know, I think there's going to be a, a, a whittling down of the bunch quick. You know, the they just don't seem to hang around anymore. The big the big hitters and they can go from start to finish faster than everyone else. So hmm. they use it.
0: They use it. They take the race on.
1: Yeah, and it's it's awesome.
0: Shilti, it's been very good to talk to you. Um, all the best this season. We look forward to following you in this this first part, especially after some some pretty good form at the UAE. Uh, it's always good to chat. You're always super articulate. So it's great to uh, get your insight into the world tour. Thanks for your time.
1: Oh, Thank you. It's been great to be on.